Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks Podcast. I'm Jim Haney. And I'm Andy Daniel. Thanks so much for tuning in once again to another podcast with MPN. Today, we're going to talk about a new project that we've got going. It's the Peer Advocacy and Leadership Development Project. Um, We just received a grant from SAMHSA, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, for a three-year project. And we're going to focus on helping peers, people in recovery, develop their advocacy skills and their leadership skills. Yeah, it's really exciting. You know, this is uh, definitely part of what we do at MPN and to have funding to support those efforts for the next few years is really exciting. So let's talk a little bit about uh, this peer advocacy and leadership development project, kind of who we're going to be focusing in on and some of the details. You want to start or? Yeah. So one of the things we're starting with is, is trying to get a baseline of how many consumers are involved in their local advisory council or service area authority so that we yeah. can we can see what that participation is and where we need to go from that starting point. Yeah, I think, you know, Montana is unique that we have these advisory councils around the state. And, you know, when I talk to colleagues in other states, I mean, they when I tell them this, they're like, oh, they're like, that's great. We don't have anything like that. You know, it's a real opportunity for grassroots advocacy and then, you know, having the regional representation, right? So you have the local advisory council, but then we have this regional representation for the service area authorities. And that's a whole nother place to be an advocate because now you're talking about, you know, all of, you know, eastern Montana, central Montana, western Montana, um, And so uh, those are wonderful ways to get involved. And then, of course, uh, all states have um, an advisory council for the block grant. So federal block grant dollars that go to a state, states are required to have these advisory councils. And so that's another opportunity to be involved as an advocate. And I think, you know, you and I, Andy, talked about this. We don't see that happening, that the the peer voice is not strong enough on all of these different councils throughout the state. Right. In statute, it says that you have to have at least 51% of your council or, or committee or whatever uh, be consumers or family members of consumers. And the more we talk to people, the more we realize that that's just not happening really in, I mean, it's happening in very few, if any. Of yeah. those groups. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's some really great advocates that are on some of these councils and boards that do really great work, but they're not, we're not meeting that 51% requirement and attendance in many of these aren't, isn't real strong. 
right? Right. And so, you know, we feel like as an organization, I mean, we have all these members. We have more than 1,200 members. We want to activate you as members. And I'm saying you, the listener, we want to activate you. And so with this funding, we're going to be able to help build that consumer leadership through training and support and, you know, how to be a good peer advocate, right? Like how to, how to, you know, get on these councils, but then once you're there, now what do you do, right? So how do they run and how do you introduce new ideas and how can you affect real change, whether it's locally or regionally or uh, with some of that federal uh, money that comes to the state of Montana for behavioral health services? When we talk about advocacy, some people will think, oh, well, that's like going and talking to the legislature or something like that. And that is part of it, but that's not, I mean, we don't expect everybody to do that. There are lots of ways that you can be an advocate that don't involve necessarily being directly involved in policymaking. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think that local advisory council, you know, your, your local group that gets together that, you know, this typically has many of the provider agencies and, you know, can, can involve commissioners and council members or law enforcement. It's often missing the voice of, of the people. You know, what I, I say, you know, the customer, right? The yeah. customer, those of us who use the service, it's often missing that voice. And so you end up with a lot of department heads who are, you know, they're, they're passionate and they're, they're doing this good work and they're out there, but we're not really involving enough of the consumer voice for people who use the services to say, you know, like I've been using these services for two years and boy, I think this would really help, or maybe it could be done that way. Or, you know, what, what can we change? And I think that's what we're after people who want to be advocates. I know when I get membership forms here at the office, so people join MPN, you know, we ask them a few questions and I'll often see in there, you know, people will write stuff like, cause we leave a blank, like tell us something about yourself. People often write like, you know, Hey, I'd like to be an advocate. I'd like to, you know, see the system change or improve. And so this is what, what we're after. Um, we want to engage folks. We want to do in-person trainings. We want to develop some online trainings because we know travel is an issue, right? Yeah. Um, getting around the state. And so our, we envision this as a like multi-part training. It isn't going to be one big training. It's going to be, have all these different parts to it. And it'll allow people the flexibility to be able to participate as they, as they choose and learn some of these skills and get involved. Yeah, and these skills will be applicable to all er all kinds of areas of of your life, not just advocating for uh, changes in the behavioral health system. But you know, developing those leadership skills uh, just makes it easier for you to do a lot of different things in your life, even you know, in your job or in your church or you know, whatever organization it is that you belong to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the training is going to have these, you know, different parts to it. So, for example, you know, uh, we'll be talking about, you know, what is recovery? When we talk about recovery, what does that mean? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for us? And really having some discussions about recovery, about the guiding principles of recovery, 
um, the different concepts or uh, one component will, is going to be about advanced directives, right? Recovery planning. You know, how do you, as a person in recovery, how do you do a psychiatric advanced directive? Um, those are tools you're going to, you know, build into your toolbox. Um, how do you build partnerships and relationships? And um, because it isn't just about showing up to a council meeting and saying, this is what I think should change. Um, it's really about building these relationships um, so communities can be healthier and stronger. And uh, what does that look like? And then I think uh, then there's that piece around how do the meetings function, you know, agendas and uh, points of order. And, you know, you're going to have a chairperson and a secretary and all those different parts. So that's something that uh, we definitely want to we definitely want to have included in the training. Yeah, sometimes it can be overwhelming or uncomfortable to walk into a meeting where you don't know the rules, you don't know how the group functions. And especially if you're, you know, if you're going in alone, if you've never been involved in any of these before, it's good to have a basic understanding of how Robert's Rules of Order work or what the procedures are. Exactly, exactly, because it can be really intimidating. I mean, I, I remember when I first got involved as an advocate, I mean, I, I didn't really understand how it functioned. And I, I remember going and purchasing a book on uh, Robert's Rules of Order, right? And, you know, reading it to try and learn a little bit about just the functionality of the meetings, right? And so once I did that, wow, that changed my whole world. I began to learn, okay, this is what I need to do. I need to introduce a topic and we got to get it on the agenda. So it'll be addressed in the meeting and, you know, right. How to make a motion. Once you're, uh, you're actually on the board. Now I have to make a motion and I got to get someone else to second it. And just those procedural things, because once you learn those, they're very powerful tools for an advocate, really powerful tools. And, you know, you, Andy, you know this, uh, you're now the chair of your local uh, advisory council, right? Yes, I I am. Just um, two months now uh, I've yeah. been the chair. And, you know, I, I have a lot of leadership skills and and I used to help people develop advocacy skills in, in other organizations and, and things, but it was still a little intimidating for me to start going to the LAC meetings, partly because of difficult relationships that I had with agencies or providers and, you know, just being uncomfortable with what seemed like a whole bunch of people that that weren't consumers. And so they were different than me somehow, right? right? And so yeah. I didn't have that much confidence that my voice would be heard or that I was going to be able to do something to affect the system. And I, you know, I, I was only on the council for a few months before uh, I became the chair, partly because there are only a few consumers on our LAC right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's really common. I mean, I think that happens a lot to people is that you might get involved on a council and other people are running it. And then a couple months later, it's, you know, the, the group is downsized, right? Like folks stopped showing up or they got busy with other things. And 
there are opportunities for you to slip into these leadership roles, even though you might not be completely ready for it, but the opportunity presents itself. And so anytime we can get a person in recovery as a chairperson on one of these councils, wow, that's really powerful. And that's a real opportunity for the recovery movement to make a real difference. And so helping people get those skills, you know, like yourself, you said, I've only been out there a few months. Great. You know, like it's scary, but now that you've got that position, you know, let's talk about how to be a good advocate and how to be a good leader for those other folks that are coming along. Cause it's really, it's really important. And, and you and I are just uh, launching a survey of the councils around the state, right? Yeah, we're trying to get some baseline information about how many consumers are involved. And it's not like we're asking these questions so we can come back to you and say, oh, you're not doing a good job. We just need to know how many consumers there are or family members on these councils so that we can figure out how to focus our efforts on increasing those numbers. Um, I just don't think there's probably any group that is running at their 51%. Right, right. It'll be really interesting to see the results. Um, and so look for this survey that's going out. It's really simple. It's four questions. Um, we're just asking, you know, what council you're representing, how many people are on your council, how many are consumers. And, and, and here's the thing with that. We should talk about this, right, Andy? Like, how we define consumer and family member. So consumer, we're saying, is a person who receives services or has received services, um, behavioral health services for a mental health, substance use, or addiction diagnosis. And then family member is a family member of a consumer. And the caution comes in in these dual roles. So many people um, fit under this category of dual roles. And so um, you could be an individual who works for a provider agency, like, a, you know, you could be a therapist who has a diagnosis, who maybe goes to therapy, takes medication, you know, maybe even identifies as being in recovery. So you're in a dual role, right? You're, you're a person who would qualify under the definition of a consumer, but you're also employed by a, an agency or a provider agency of those services. So we would consider that a dual role. So the question becomes, on the council, who are you representing? Are you representing people in recovery? So like that's who Andy and I represent by virtue of who we work for, for MPN. But if I'm a therapist and I work for an agency, more than likely, you're probably representing the agency you work for. And you're actually not representing consumers, even though you hold this dual role. Same with a family member, right, Andy? Yeah. If you're a provider and, you know, you've got a, a parent or a child or somebody who is a consumer you could be representing your family member or other family members, or you could be representing your agency. So I think it's just, you know, taking a really good look at 
what your primary reason for being at the meeting is or or what you are trying to accomplish at those meetings. Exactly. Because, you know, you can just, I, I always like to do the, uh, you know, the, the pizza guy. So if I'm a pizza maker, I work at my local pizza joint down the street, right? We love the local pizza joint. And I make pizzas. Am I still going to go and join the local advisory council? I'm only going to do that if I'm a family member or a consumer. In other words, if your job was sort of something else or removed from the equation, who would you be representing? Would you still be there on that council or not? And if the answer is yes, wonderful, then you're a, counsel, you're a consumer or a family member. But we often, I, I had this experience, you know, I just, my council just, we just had a meeting recently and this came up where clearly people who are speaking for their agency at the meeting say, well, I'm also a family member, but never in a year plus of being on the council have I ever heard them say, well, as a family member, this is what I think we should do with the system. I've never heard those words uttered. And so I think you have to really get honest and sort of examine what am I there? Who am I there representing? If it's your agency, wonderful. You represent this agency. I think that's fabulous. But if you try to take two seats on your council, you're actually doing the people you're serving a disservice because then they can't take that seat, right? The consumer yeah. is taken up. That seat is taken up by a provider who says, oh, but, you know, I have a diagnosis. So anyway, so we're trying to define that. Where are you at? We're trying to define who's a consumer, who's a family member. And then the other big important question is, how does somebody apply or like join to become a member of your council? This is difficult to figure out. It is. You know, I was lucky that my provider, my therapist, really thought that I should get involved in the LAC. And so she made an effort to say, here's when the meeting is. You know, here's the process. Um, I'll go with you because she she goes to the meetings, right? And so that actually made it way easier for me to walk into the meeting to be, you know, with somebody that I knew and I knew was supportive. But my council doesn't have like a formal application process. And I know well, some do. You know, it's amazing because I, I think what kind of happens to us is, you know, we, we're, we're well-intentioned and we start these kind of, you know, grassroots, these councils. We bring people together. We talk about these things and then we get a dozen people or so together and we keep meeting, you know, month after month or quarter after quarter. And it feels good to us, except we forget that we've got to keep recruiting new people to come and be a part of it. And we begin to create a closed group inadvertently. Because we don't have a website or a Facebook page or we're not really inviting anyone new. And then a year or two down the road, we go, oh, there's only three of us left. And there's three of you sitting at the table. And you're like, remember the old days when there was like a dozen of us? Yeah, because you, you forgot to keep recruiting people to bring or you don't have a way for people to even join when they come to a meeting, right? They, they do show up to your meeting. And you're like, oh, yeah, welcome. But then you forget to say, 
well, this is how you actually can join our membership. And maybe it's, you know, you're filling out an application or maybe it's online. I know the Behavioral Health Advisory Council, ours, it's like a PDF. You know, you can click on online, just click on the link and it opens up and, you know, you can fill it out. And we have to remember to do those things. Otherwise, you know, we were looking through the list. There's some councils that are completely inactive. They're, they're out of business. <laughs> you know, there's, there's nobody. And they, there might be one or two people who want to start it up or they want to be advocates, but there's got to be a process for people to get involved. And so these are the kinds of things that I think we're going to be addressing over the next, you know, three, three years with this project. But the survey is important. Um, and we'll continue to do the survey throughout the life of the project because we want to measure the involvement of consumers and family members on these councils, especially once we get the trainings going. Yeah, we want to make sure that the training that we're doing is is effective and helping people start in those advocacy roles and, and join those groups to make sure that um, our voices are heard. Yeah. The other thing that we're working on with this project is we're forming, MPN is forming an advisory committee to work with Andy and I on this project. And so we're looking for members, MPN members, who'd like to be on this advisory committee. We've got a few people that are already interested and and we have an application. And so if you're if you're interested, if you're a your primary diagnosis has to be mental health because this grant, this funding from SAMHSA is mental health based. Uh, that's the focus of it. If what we're talking about here sounds like, oh yeah, you know, I'm a member of MPN and I have a primary mental health diagnosis. I'd like to be involved kind of on the inside track. You can fill out an application simply by emailing us. And uh, you can email me at uh, jim at mtpeernetwork.org. Or me, Andy, at andi at mtpeernetwork.org. Yeah, and just drop us a line and we'll send you the application and, you know, and make sure you're qualified and we'll, we'll review them. And, but yeah, we're going to have this advisory committee to, you know, bounce ideas off of and get ideas from and, you know, to help spread the word. And then the other thing the members of this advisory council get is they're going to be on the inside track of this project. And so we're developing leaders from this advisory group you're going to be working hands-on with the two of us and so you know it's a voluntary position it's a great way to kind of get your foot in the door especially if you know you really want to move into that peer leadership or peer advocate kind of role in in montana let us know if you want to get interested we're super excited again the project's called peer advocacy and leadership development project we're going to have a web page it's going to be going up here once we kind of get things going. It'll have a list of, you know, activities and all the things we've been talking about, you know, the, the surveys and stuff. And we'll probably list, I'm, I'm thinking, once we get the, the baseline of all these councils, we'll probably list that. It'll probably be available, right, Andy? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if you've got some information about your LAC meetings or anything like that that you could share with us, I'd really appreciate it. It's 
sometimes it's hard for us to keep up with all of the changes that are happening all over the state. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, you can always send us stuff and, and let us know. And then, uh, yeah, I think then the next thing is just, you know, look in the polls for uh, information as we head into 2020. We're going to launch these trainings. And again, our vision is to have them available online in the different kind of modules, if you will, or chapters, I guess. And then at least a few times a year, I mean, we'd like to get out and do a bigger training with the different parts in person. You know, in person is always nice. You get to you get to network with everybody, and that's always always a good thing. So it's a new project for MPN, and, you know, it's, it's, it's so interesting because, um, you know, we've been a SAMHSA grantee, uh, for multiple years. And, and I remember when we got our first SAMHSA grant and how exciting that was and scary it was. And did we know what we were going to do? Could we meet the goals? Could we, could we really do this? Could we, could we really create a project and have it funded and, you know, bring it across the state to people? And that project was called Healthy Minds, Healthy Bodies. And if you're a member of MPN, um, you're probably very familiar with Healthy Minds, Healthy Bodies and, and the workbook. And that workbook started in a meeting space in Helena with myself and, and the board of directors brainstorming what does MPN want to do um, in the state of Montana, you know, and just we threw out all kinds of different ideas. We were there all day and that idea sprang from that group. And that was back in 2012, that dream that, you know, was birthed there. We had no idea it would grow into what it has become today. And, you know, uh, with peer supporters, uh, you know, getting, training on healthy minds, healthy bodies, and what the eight dimensions of wellness have become and setting the standard for peer supporters. And, and we didn't even envision the workbook in the beginning. We just were dreaming of live trainings, you know, just going out and talking to people about being healthy and holistic peer support. And out of that grew so many wonderful opportunities. And so when I think about this project, Andy, I, I think, wow, what's going to happen over the next three years? Like, where is this going to take us? You, you can't even dream it today because we're still thinking about what we wrote in the grant and right. the <laughs> objectives and the goals. We're still on, can we do this? You know, right? But I look back and I think, oh my gosh, like, I, I can so remember that meeting. In fact, I can, I remember when the words healthy minds, healthy bodies were spoken in that room, I can totally remember it because we had these sheets up on the wall and we were writing ideas, each of us. And there were all kinds of ideas. What do we want to do? And that's the beautiful thing about MPN is we get to dream and then we get to go out and make it a reality. And so I'm super excited about this project and where it's going to go over the next few years. Well, anything else that we want to we want to cover? We want to share with uh, listeners on the on the project, Andy. Well, I think we've kind of covered the basics. I think we'll probably add some more podcasts as things move along, and 
and keep people updated on where we are. And, you know, if we send out any more surveys or members need any more information. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I I would think we'll be putting a part, a piece of this into the recovery conference next fall. Right. And one of the workshop modules will probably have piece of, of the peer leadership and advocacy project, you know, so yeah, who knows where this is going to take us. It's exciting. It's wonderful. We need to say thank you to SAMHSA for uh, believing in us and this dream that we, Andy and I came up with and, and the opportunities for people in Montana to, you know, grow their leadership skills for peers to get involved with the system and all the wonderful things that that can come of that. So thank you, Samsa. Thanks for believing in us. We are going to wrap up this podcast. Uh, please continue to tune in uh, each week with different podcasts. We have three different kinds of podcasts that we're running now. And so three different formats, I guess I should say, not kinds, but three different formats. So we have this kind of format with Andy and I, where we're, we're kind of talking about specific topics. Then we have the interview uh, special guests, we call that the like the spotlight series, where we're sort of zeroing in on one person and we're talking to them. And Andy's doing that in an interview style. And now we're launching um, Recovery Roundtable, where we have three, four, five different people. And we're just sitting around having a conversation about recovery. And so the topic is recovery, and that's really broad. And depending on who's at the table, that's going to kind of dictate where the conversation goes. And so uh, look for Recovery Roundtable podcasts. And all three of those are part of the Recovery Talks podcast series that we put out each and every week for you, our listeners. And if you're interested in being on a podcast you know, just send us an email and we'll set something up with you. We're always looking for new guests and new people to be on the roundtable conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. If you got something going on, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, hey, I got this idea or I'm running this program or I'd like to come on and talk about this or that in, in recovery, just again, email us and let us know. We'll have you on as a guest. So. Thanks again for listening, and uh, it's time to say goodbye. Yep, have a great week. Recovery works, and recovery is possible. Recovery works, and recovery is possible. Recovery works, recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. (laughs) Recovery works, and recovery is possible. Recovery works, and recovery is possible. Recovery works, and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.